the 367th edition of the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bird Dogs Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts in a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. Hi, Joe DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 367, as Gumby said off the top. This is going to be dedicated to summer, because it, it is the first day of summer. So, happy summer. And if you're listening to us in Australia, I'm sure we have some listeners down there. Happy winter to you people. But it is summer in Canada, as I explained to my co-host um, a few episodes ago. So, hopefully everyone who is in the Northern Hemisphere are is going to have a good summer because we're kicking it off right now with our 367th how about episode and it's all about the UFC once again because UFC is back but no they're not back in the UFC apex this week no they are on the road the octagon has set up shop in the vice star veterans memorial arena in Jacksonville Florida one of the UFC's home away from homes now um and they've got a fight night it's yeah it's a fight night card but it's on the big ABC TV television network in the United States. So it's a, a kind of a more stacked fight card, you would say, than, than a, you, we usually get for our Apex type cards. So we're going to break down nine, that's correct, nine fights on the prelims. And yet I'm still doing a long intro for some reason. So, um, so we're going to break down those nine fights today, winning picks only. And then tomorrow we will do the main card and all our fancy picks like locks and dogs and props and parlays and stuff. I'm not doing this alone. No. No one would listen if I did this alone. I have the one and only Gumby God. It's almost time for a Gumby God season. It's Daniel Vreeland. Hello. Gumby God season is moving in close. We're like a month and a half round, away. But and, but, how long? But the real Gumby God season is only right. a, is a month. August 8th. August okay. 8th is Contender Series. And let me tell you something. I've been looking at the uh, the the lineups as they slowly roll out. And there are some bangers on the early episodes um there's a really good one on the very first episode peyton talbot versus uh junior cortez in a bantamweight fight um junior cortez uh the younger brother of jong's girl tracy cortez um (laughs) he's getting his he's getting his second crack and uh let me tell you something the dude he's fighting has never been in a boring fight in his whole life um and it's gonna be a good one and then there's a good heavyweight fight on that one. A good flyweight fight on that one. More to come. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pumped for Contender Series. I've been digging in deep on the prospects for Contender Series. That's what we like to hear. For new listeners to the podcast, welcome, first of all. But also, um, if you weren't around for the past few seasons, uh, Gumby is the king of of uh, picking winners for the Daniel White's Contender Series, which happens late summer, early fall um every every year as dan said august 8th is starting for ten, a 10 week run and we make mucho money off of that because gumby usually hits at like 80 percent clip uh, no joke there so we have been talking about it already in the sports gambling podcast discord sports slash discord in the fights channel we've already been talking about it and and hyping up prospects that are gonna be on that show so um, that will be soon enough uh but we have a, a pretty decent fight card to break down today even the prelims we're gonna break down right now are a pretty solid uh, prelim. So a lot of these fights would uh, would be normal main card fights on a fight night. Yeah, I'll agree with that. 
there you go. You had to think about it, but yes. Yeah, um, I, had to, yeah. I had to think a little bit, but like, no, <laughs> yeah, like, like uh, Jamal Embers versus Jack Jenkins could could dot a uh, an apex card main card. Magni Rowe would uh, Richie Robertson. Magni yeah. Rowe is a banger, dude. Yes, sir. Same with it Randy Brown, Wellington Terman. Yep. Let's get let's get into it then. Enough chit chatting, I guess. Right? Even though people people do like the chit chat we've been told. They, they like right. our chit chat. We're entertaining. You do. We are. We are so entertaining. Um, they also like the bird dogs. Hopefully, they, they like bird dogs because they are sponsoring this episode. Bird dogs make stretch khaki shorts and they're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg giving you a truly sculpted look bird dogs shorts do the exact same thing as lululemon but fit way better they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff restricting cotton because bird dogs fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long you may catch gumby at the beach wearing bird dogs but you will not catch him in the water wearing his bird dogs so um no something uh no chance at all um but if you want to be caught anywhere in bird dogs here's what you got to do go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code P-O-O-L. That's how you spell pool? Yes, P-O-O-L. For a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order, that's birddogs, B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S dot com slash pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. It's going to be a good episode. I'm already questioning whether I'm spelling pool correctly, and we just you're got doing, started. You're, so. you're doing just fine. Yeah, what a... He's, he's a coach. I he, believe in coach you. On the show. I believe in you. Oh, wow. Amazing. Let's see if you believe in some of my picks. I have heard some of Gumby's picks. Um, I was having trouble. I was having trouble picking uh winners for this card. I was having trouble finding any valuable or value place in terms of underdogs. So I listened to Top Turtle, Gumby's other podcast, another great episode this week. Grant Dawson, really good interview. Um, Trevor Peak, he was underwater for most of the interview, but it was still fun. Anyway. That's not his fault, though. I'm pretty sure something went wrong <laughs> with my side of the recording. I, uh, I shouldn't bring it up, but it yeah, was still good. It was weird. So for the, for anybody who hasn't listened to it, because you know you're always going to listen to everything I tell you to. It, when I when I finished the recording with him, all of my words sounded fine. Like you you heard it, the yep. words that came out of my mouth sounded fine. The words <laughs> yeah. that came out of his mouth recorded in double speed. I so would have posted it like that. That would have been fantastic. Okay. Which would have been and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it posted in double speed. So then I had to slow it down to get it to be even close to listenable. And then when I slowed it down, it's got like weird glitch noises in it. So it's like very entertaining because he's like a super entertaining guy. But it does yeah. sound a little bit weird. So, uh, well, you know, he was he was in Bikini Bottom when he when he did the interview. No big deal. It, okay. it wasn't um, good. Good SpongeBob I, reference, by the way. Yeah, there you go. I, I figure that's up your alley because uh, you're a youngster. So, no, you know, I, I, uh, you know it's after about. after my time. Oh, uh, yeah, I've. I've your kids are they into SpongeBob or not yet? No, it's like it's in that sweet spot in between the two of us. Well, neither of us yeah. are into it. Yeah. Oh well. Um. Yeah. Trevor Peak, very good. When Gumby asked him about his, we'll be talking about him very shortly. <laughs> standing Hammerfist. Standing Hammerfist. <laughs> he says he doesn't know. He just throws them things. So that, that's the type of uh, type of <laughs> response you get from it him. It is striking. Coaches hate it. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. All right. We'll talk with him in three fights. First, we're going to start off. This one is a banger as well. Actually, let me set the set the uh, table for you here. Uh, I told you off top, Star Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville is where this is taking place. June 24th, UFC on ABC, Emmett versus Tapuria or UFC Jacksonville. 
Uh, I'm naming my article on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. It is a early fight card. Uh, us on the East Coast, it started at uh, prelims, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. Does that work in your schedule, Dan? That works perfect in my schedule. All right. No, it, it won't interrupt SpongeBob on the TV, uh, apparently, because you don't watch it. So perfect. Nope, I don't. Um, and it's on 24 hours a day anyhow, so it doesn't matter. You'll never, you'll never. Uh, <laughs> is it really on not, all that uh, time? <laughs> it is on a lot. It oh, is okay. on a lot. My son's pretty much seen all of them, so we don't watch it like we used to. But anyhow, let's uh, let's talk about someone we do still enjoy watching. Tetsuro Tyra at Flyweight. He's fighting Clayton Hodhigas. Should be but Tyra is one of our. I think he's borderline one of our one of our. Um, not Patriots. He's turned it into one of our guys. He's a guy. Yeah, one of one of our, us in the Discord's guys, right? Yeah, because he's really good. Well, let's see. Let's see what we think about him fighting Clayton Hodhigas, whose nickname is KR, his initials. So so creative. He's eight and two, four knockouts, two submit submissions. Never been finished in a fight. He is one one in the UFC. He won his last fight via TKO after dropping his debut. He was one and zero in the Contender Series. He also was the Jungle Fight champion. Uh, he's twice more active than Tyra landing strikes over their UFC and contender series careers. He has outstruck his UFC and contender series opponents by three strikes a minute, which is an incredibly high number. Um, for, especially it's not like we're talking one fight. This is three fights. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty solid, um, solid resume there. He's at plus two fifteen. Tyra 13 and oh, three knockouts, seven submissions, three and oh in the UFC. The last two wins via submission. He was the Shudo champion. So we have a regional Brazilian champion versus a regional Japanese champion. Uh, he's two inches taller than Hodhigas, three inches of reach over him, five years younger, better striking and grappling stats based on their UFC careers. He has outstruck his UFC opponents by 1.74 strikes a minute, minus 250. We're both picking Tyra, I'm guessing. Tell us, tell, tell the people why. Yeah, I'm taking Tetsuya Tyra. Uh, the, the big piece for me is just that, like, so Tyra is an amazing grappler, right? Like that's the bottom line on Tyra and, and why anybody really loves Tatsuya Tyra. But the the bigger thing for me is just like anybody who can get Clayton Rodriguez to the ground is going to beat him. Um, you know, Clayton Rodriguez needed to try to get CJ Vergara down and didn't succeed enough to win the fight and and Vergara wound up winning that fight by split decision. I think I agree with the decision. And and so, like, if, if Rodriguez doesn't have the grappling advantage over somebody, you know, with the exception of the KO loss or KO win over Shannon Ross, he, he tends to lose. And, and, like, he barely won that fight with Santo Curatolo on Contender Series. He didn't have the grappling advantage. I, I just think he won't have the grappling advantage in a fight where he very badly needs the grappling advantage. Like, I think he's going to get outstruck by Tyra, and I think he's 80 times worse on the map than Tyra. So, yeah, give me Tetsuya Tyra here. Uh, I think negative 240, good price for, like, parlay building. Um, outside of that, like, you know, you know, maybe you want a straight play, but I, I think maybe look at props and, and parlays here for Tyra. I'm only giving you at minus two fifty though. Sorry, you don't get them at minus two forty at at my books. So sorry, but we're fine. still taking fine, fine. We're still taking Tyra. He's just dangerous everywhere, especially on, on the ground. And uh, he has uh, beetle mania hair. Uh, so w what more do you want? We have another one that, like so. that. Uh, we do coming up with the ultimate. Uh, all right, featherweights: Jamal Emmers, Jack Jenkins. Tell you about Jenkins. Far is his nickname. P H A R. Have we discussed that? Do we know what that is? We've we've discussed it more than once, and I still don't know what it is. <laughs> okay, good. I, I was thought I had forgotten. Um, Jenkins, eleven and two, five knockouts, three submissions. He's been submitted twice. 
one on the UFC, one on the Contender Series, multiple regional championships on his mantle. Correct. Get the shirt. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. You're going to get, everyone's going to get very annoyed at hearing that because we got a lot of those coming up. Uh, he has missed weight. No, sorry. Wrong guy. He used to fight at upper weight class at lightweight. He's four years younger than Emmers. He's outstruck his two opponents in UFC and contender series by 2.27 strikes a minute. So pretty good number there. Plus 175. Pretty boy, Jamal Emmers. 19 and 6. Seven knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted twice. Two and two in the UFC. He's gone loss, win, loss, win. So he's due for a loss, according to that. Uh, he's own one, was own one in the contender series. He has multiple regional championships on his mantle. Correct. Shirt store sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash, <laughs> slash store. See, I'm getting lazy already with it. He is misweight before this guy is misweight. Uh, he used to fight up at lightweight as well. 2012 pro MMA debut, three inches taller than Jenkins, six inches of reach, uh, on him. So half a foot of reach. Uh, he's more active landing strikes and his he's outstruck his UFC opponents by one and point five three strikes a minute, minus 200. My turn. I am taking this is one of my rare underdogs on this fight card. I'm taking Jack Jenkins. I just I've liked what we've seen from him uh ever since he debuted in the contender series. And I think he has what it takes and he's a better fighter than Jamal Emmer. So give me Jenkins to to keep his uh little bit of a hot streak going here. I, I'm gonna agree with you here. I, I like the Jack Jenkins yes. underdog pick. Uh the biggest piece for me is the speed. Um, if you watch Jack Jenkins on Contender Series, which by the way, we all did because we all love Contender Series. Um, when I was breaking down his fight with uh, Freddie Linares, I said, look, Freddie Linares is good. And I, I still think Freddie Linares is good. But I, I said, Jenkins is going to be faster. And Jenkins also does this brilliant thing of like mixing all of the things he does. Like, yes, he's a great boxer with good power, but also he sneaks in a lot of great takedowns. And he's got good takedown defense. And he absolutely blasts people's legs. And, and this is a thing I, I think people are not expecting in this fight. He's actually finished fights with leg kicks. And more than one uh, as he, like, gotten a guy ready to finish with leg kicks. One, he's actually just finished straight up with leg kicks. I, I think he's going to use that against Emmers. Uh, especially with Emmers having a reach advantage. Uh, I think you'll see Jack Jenkins you know, kind of picking them apart from distance. I think you're going to see Emmers shoot some takedowns and fail. And I think that's ultimately going to cost him cardio. It's going to look bad on the judges scorecards. I think Jenkins is going to pick them apart. So yeah, give me, give me Jack Jenkins here. What I forgot to mention, Jenkins, eight straight wins has not lost in over five years also. So while Emmers just is kind of inconsistent back and forth, back and forth. Why do you think the line is set up the way it is? Uh, any, I think so, so. Is this a this is a short notice one for Jack Jenkins? Am I wrong? No, no it's no, not no, even. No. no. Um. Yeah, there you I, go. Good. I, if we don't know, that's probably a good thing for us. I mean, maybe the losses that that Emmers has are high level. You know, like if you look at his yep. his two losses in his last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight fights. He's only lost two times in his last eight fights. It's a split to Giga Chikadze and a submission to Pat Sabatini, um, which obviously looks very nice on paper. But, you know, Jack Jenkins is just, uh, like I said, he's so fast. I I think that that piece can't be underrated, especially if you think he's got good takedown defense. So, yeah, give me me Sabatini here. Give you Sabatini? I'll I'll give you Jenkins instead. How about? Or Jenkins, sorry. (laughs) But you can also give me Sabatini if you want. That's true. I think he's going to win every fight from now until, <laughs> until, until the end of time. 
yes, it's true. All right. That's our underdog pick, and it's good timing because we are also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. That linked up perfectly here. Uh, Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to win over on Underdog, and they're active in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right. Where are we going now? Oh, the aforementioned Trevor Peak. We already uh, pretty much told you all about him. (laughs) Trevor. he's another one who is uh, his first fight. We all went crazy in the, in the discard, right? He was the guy we're like, this guy's such a weirdo. We're going to, we love him. So he's so fun to watch. You told us in advance, we were going to love him. And we did. Cause he's a rock And that's what we like. When he was on contender series, I told you you'd love him. Right. And and that's true. Yep. All right. Let's tell you about his fight. He's fighting. Not the Hall of Fame pitcher, Jose Mar. Is it Marshall Marshall? Do you know how you pronounce his name? Marshall. I think it's Marshall. Yeah. Marshall. Okay, he's fighting Jose Marshall. Machine Gun is the name. He's 13 and 6, 6 knockouts, 3 submissions. He's been knocked out 3 times. This is his short notice debut in the UFC. So everyone who's listened to the show before, the red lights are flashing warning danger right here. Uh short notice debuts. Not not a good thing to bet on. Anyhow, he's 3 and 0 over his last 3 all via knockout or TKO. Multi region championships on his mantle. Correct. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. See if there's any shirts that say that on it. Uh, he used to fight at Featherweight, and he's at even money plus 100. Trevor Peak. No nicknames needed. It should be Hammer Fist, um, right? Hammer yeah. Fist Peak? No, no, no. Or does he call uh, He calls him something different, right? He, call, he calls him Tomahawks. Tomahawk Peak. All right, fine. He's 8-0 no, um, with eight knockouts. 1-0 in the UFC, 1-0 in Contender Series. Multiple region championships on his? Mantle. Correct. Sportsgamingpodcast.com slash store. Uh, three years younger than Marshall. Three inches of height on him. He's at minus 105. We'll let you go. I can't we'll let you tell people why we're taking peak. I can't believe he's at negative 105. I know. It, it, it's dropped since. It's gotten better since I did it like two days ago. Take, and and I know it's just, it, it's it's short notice for for Marshall, which, you yeah. know, like, you know, sometimes I'm on the short notice guy. But look, Marshall... Dude, I, I I don't want to disparage people because because Chepe Marshall is probably UFC level. He's fun to watch. He's he's a good striker. He's got some like he's got like low key kind of like a good judo base uh, where he throws some hip throws. But like also anybody with wrestling defense has beat the shit out of this guy. Um, You know, like his losses are to all UFC level guys, but it's UFC level guys who have good wrestling defense. Joe Anderson, Bree too. Sean Soriano, by the way, Sean Soriano, like 0-5 in the UFC. Steve Garcia, some wrestling defense. Bryce Mitchell, Gregor Gillespie, like all guys who you know, but like what is similar about all those guys? Takedown defense, takedown defense, takedown defense, takedown defense, or their own takedowns. And if you look at his recent fights, it's all like wins by grounded pound. And look, you're just not going to outwork Trevor Peak. Trevor Peak has better grappling defense than people give him credit for. And, like, if you're the type of guy who goes balls to the wall for two rounds looking for a finish, I got bad news for you. Trevor Peak is going to ruin you in the second round. And uh, if you heard my interview with Trevor Peak earlier today, um, Trevor Peak is predicting a, a second round finish. And, and, look, if you can find the prop on Trevor Peak in the second round, get on it. I, I think he's right. 
Yeah, I, I can't even find a KO prop for him, which is what I, I want to uh, tell people to play because uh, Marischal has been knocked out three times before and all Peak does is knock people out. So we're getting a good line on Peak and, to begin and with. Early, and early in fights too. Uh, sure. If, if Joe, Anderson Bre- Bre- sure. Joe Anderson Britu beat him in 44 seconds. There you go. Uh, oh, well, sorry. Yes, he, he loses early in fights. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, you can get fancy. You can get really fancy with this one if you want. But uh, yeah, Peak is is the pick. Um, not just because uh, we're pretty much adopting him uh, in the Discord, but this is yeah. I was very happy when I saw the line here. Um, the short notice stat once again, late replacements win thirty eight percent of the time. This year they're doing better, fifty two percent. So maybe that's it, Dan. But still, it's still not an amazing, amazing stat, fifty two percent. So we are both in on all the same fighters thus far. Let's go to women's strawweights. Tabitha Ricci versus Jillian Robertson. This is one half of our friend Jong's uh, hibachi parlay this week. <laughs> Ricci and Hibas hibachi is, is, hibachi. The, is the parlay. I like that. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. Robertson, Canadian. Uh, the Savage is the nickname, not Canadian. Set 12 and 7. One knockout, nine submissions. But knocked out once, submitted once. Nine to five in the UFC. She's won two straight and three of four. Last two wins via submission. That's what she specializes in. Uh, used to fight up at flyweight. Oh, one, the ultimate fighter. Four inches taller than Ricci. Got two inches of reach on her. You know, Ricci's five foot one. Did you realize she was that small? I did. Yeah, she, she's very small. She is very small. Um, Robertson has been outstruck by 0.49 strikes a minute over her UFC career. She's at plus 115. Baby Shark, Ricci, eight and one, one knockout, three submissions. She's been knocked out herself once. The only time she's been. Uh, Bested in a fight. 3-1 in the UFC. She won three straight fights after dropping her debut. Won her last via submission. She's not lost since June of 2021. She also used to fight up at flyweight, which is crazy for a five foot one fighter. 2013 Pro MMA debut. More active landing strikes and better grappling stats than Robertson. Uh, however, she's been outstruck over her UFC career by almost a strike a minute. She's at minus 0.97 to be exact. Minus 125 is the betting number for her. And I am taking that. Actually, is it my turn? It's your turn. No, it's it's my turn. I am taking that number on Ricci. Um, yeah, Robertson, even though she is Canadian, um, striking seems <laughs> betraying to be getting worse. your country <laughs> again. I see. Huh? Yes, her striking seems to be getting worse with every fight. Um, and she, she really looked better to, last fight. She Did really she needs to look... grapple to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and good luck doing that in this fight because Ricci, that's her specialty as well. I think she looked better in her last fight. I, I think in the Pierre okay. Rodriguez fight, she gave me a lot of hope. Uh, I actually thought her speed played up at straw weight and she looked much yep. better. Um, but I will say you're, I, I agree with you entirely. I, I think Tabitha Ricci is a nightmare matchup for her. I don't think she can take Tabitha Ricci to the mat. I think Tabitha Ricci decides when this fight happens. And more importantly, if Tabitha Ricci's on top, I I just don't see Jillian tapping her. Like, I don't think she's going to tap her from the back. Um, and it's also worth mentioning, I, I know you mentioned Tabitha Ricci fought up at flyweight. She she really only did that for one short notice fight. Uh, and that short notice fight is her only, only professional loss. And that's against Manal Firo on short notice up a weight class. Our um, girl. Which is just an insane ask. And since then, she's beaten the hell out of Maria Oliveira, Pauliana Viana, and Jessica Penne. I, I think Robertson is in for a really long night. I think she's going to get taken down at will. And uh, yeah, Richie's going to look good here. All right. There you go. Uh, we're going back to the men's side, up to welterweight. Randy Brown, Wellington Terman. Gumby mentioned. 
Actually, I think I, I missed a fight here, didn't I? Yes, lightweights first, excuse me, uh, in the men's side. Matthias Rebecki, Loik Radzhabov. 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 The Tajik Tank is his nickname. He's 17-4-1. Seven knockouts, five submissions, never been finished in a fight. One in the UFC, part of a two-fight winning streak, and he's won four of his last five fights. He went four and four in PFL. Who's the M1 champion? He also has multiple YouTube championships on his mantle. Correct. Sportsgamepodcast.com/slash store. Um, the tank here used to fight up at welterweight. 2012 was his pro MMA debut. Four inches of height, three inches of reach over Rebecca. He's been outstruck over his one UFC fight by 1.73 strikes a minute. He's at plus 130. Rabisti Rebecca is 17 and one, eight knockouts, six submissions. He's been knocked out once. One and all in the UFC, one and all contender series. He's won 14 straight fights. He's not lost since September of 2014. He's a regional champion, not multiple, sadly. Two years younger than the Tajik Tank. Uh, he's got better striking and active striking stats. He's outstruck his UFC and contender series opponents by almost three strikes a minute, 2.87 to be exact. And he's at minus 150. This should talk be an yeah, this should be an easy one for matches for Becky. Um, and it's not that I don't believe in like Rodzaboff. I, I actually think the number is only as low as it is because people are doubting Rebecca for his past performances where he decided to just spam 700 straight overhand rights, um, which, by the way, is not the best way to win a fight um to just spam overhand rights but that's what he did against nick fiori um but look radzaboff fought uh esteban rivovic in his ufc debut he did wind up winning that fight but he won that fight largely on like the tails of 11 takedowns like he had 11 takedowns and if he didn't hit those he would have lost the fight he got outstruck he got knocked down with a punch uh, he clearly lost the second round some people might even argue that he had a little trouble in the third round um there's lots to be like, eh, did Radzaboff, is he ready? Um, and, and when you add in the fact that he's not going to hit any of those 11 takedown attempts uh, against Rebecca, because that's the, the fact of the matter. Rebecca is 80 times better of a, a grappler than like Radzaboff is. Like, as long as he stuffs those, he's going to get torched on the feet. So as long as Rebecca doesn't fight dumb, which ultimately I think is the only reason you might pick Radzabov is if you were like betting on Rebecca to fight like an idiot again. Um, as long as he doesn't fight like that, he should have an easy time tonight. Yep. I agree. Rebecca is uh, my pick as well here. Um, all right. Now we're going to go to Walter. Are Wait. we on agreement on everything so far? We have so far. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're going to zig or z- zig and zag. Opposite, opposite ways here. We got four more fights to go, so we shall see. Uh, Randy Brown, Wellington Terman is the next one. Welch waits. I was dying to tell you about this earlier. Let's tell you about it now. The prodigy Wellington Terman, 18 and six, four knockouts, eight submissions. He's been knocked out twice, three and four in the UFC. He's won two of his last three. However, he did lose his last fight. He's fight at middleweight, six years younger than Brown. He's been outstruck by 0.87 strikes a minute, and he's at plus 200. Rude boy Randy Brown, 16 and five, for six knockouts, five submissions. Knocked out twice, submitted twice. 10 and 5 in the UFC. He's won four of his last five. He also lost his last fight. This one via submission. Was a regional champion, three inches taller, six inches of reach over Terman. Now, I, I read it. At, I'm not, I can't remember where I saw it, but I did read a uh, study on reach. Um, I attract reach for a while. 
uh, and it, it was basically 50 50. So like a bigger reach was not making a difference, but apparently the higher the weight class, the more it makes uh, a bigger difference, which makes sense because fighters hit harder at higher weight classes. So just thought I'd throw that out here. So half a foot of reach at welterweight is probably, uh, probably pretty, a decent thing to have on your side. Uh, Brown has striking and active striking stats in his favor as well. He's outstruck his UFC opponent for 1.09 strikes a minute. Minus 225 is the number on him. I will take rude boy, Randy Brown here. Way better striker. He's, he's just a darn good fighter um, all around. Um, better than Terman. Um, has beaten better fighters than Terman. I think he gets this done for us, or for me at least. Yeah, I'm with you on Randy Brown. Um, I, I think the reach is going to play up. I also just think, like, Wellington Terman is like a, uh, I mean, and this is not meant to be derogatory, but he, he's like a poor man's Glover Teixeira because he, he, he trades with Glover Teixeira, but also, like, he's the grappling side of Glover Teixeira with less competence in terms of striking. Um, but even in the ways that he strike and like the striking skills are similar to the Glover Teixeira's in that he throws the same kind of hook combos. He throws the same overhands. Uh, he's, it's just a means to an end. He's looking for the takedown. And when you look at the people who've beaten Randy Brown, it's people who can hit hard and strike with him. Um, he's got two losses in the last four and a half years and it's Jack Della Maddalena and Vincente Luque. Meanwhile, he's beaten Warley Alves and Jared Gooden and Chaos Williams and Francisco Trinaldo and Cowboy Oliveira and Brian Barberena, like legit ass dudes. Whereas when you're looking at Wellington Terman, you know, not to disparage his his uh, run entirely, but like his wins since he's come to the UFC are Marcus Perez, Sam Alvey and Misha Serkinov, none of which are still in the UFC. The Sam Alvey win was a split decision victory. Um and, you know, like anybody who can stuff his takedowns and, and force him to strike, he he gets the crap beat out of him. And I think that's here with with Randy Brown. I think Randy Brown uh, toughened the takedown defense really long. He's going to pepper him with jabs. Um, I think you're going to see him light him up on the feet. Uh, I, I think this is going to be an easy night for Randy Brown. So, yeah, give me give me Randy Brown on this one, too. Yep. Not uh, not a good line but he's he should be winning this fight fairly well not easily but he's gonna win this fight uh let's go all the way up to heavyweight austin lane justin taffa a chunky boy battle uh we'll tell you about lane first 12 and 3 11 knockouts one submission so he's finished all of his opponents and he's been finishing all of his fights that he's lost uh three knockouts uh against he this is his ufc debut he went one to one the contender series He's won six straight fights. However, he's not lost since March of 2020. He also has multiple regional championships on his mantle. Correct. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. Uh, he was an NFL defensive end in a, a past <laughs> life. He's got half a foot of reach and half a foot of height over Taffa. He's outstruck his two contender series opponents by 2.36 strikes a minute. He's at plus 150. However, he's not a bad man. That would be Taffa. Six and three with six knockouts. He's been knocked out once. Three and three in the UFC. He's won two straight fights. He's not lost since May of 2021. He's missed weight at heavyweight, which was his last fight, I believe. Um, was a regional champion. Based on their last weigh-ins, he was 25 pounds heavier than Lane. He's six years younger as well. He's more active landing strikes and has better grappling stats. He has been outstruck, though, by his opponents by 0.86 strikes a minute. He's at minus 175. I'm going to go with Justin Taffa here. I think, um, you know, what I've seen out of Austin Lane is is kind of, you know, hit or miss. Um, but the, the bottom line is, is when you watch Austin Lane fight, 
he he's decent on the feet. He hits people with power. Like if you watch that Juan Adams fight, he got jacked up by Juan Adams nonstop for like two and a half to three rounds. He wound up outlasting him and winning in the the fourth round in a title fight. Um, and, and like good for him for being able to survive, you know, rounds of abuse from Juan Adams, who does hit pretty hard. But at the end of the day, Justin Taffa hits harder than that. Justin Taffa is a good boxer. And this is a fight where Justin Taffa is not going to be threatened with his wrestling, right? Like, it, it's not like there's any secret to what Austin Lane wants to do. It's he wants to strike and hit you. And, uh, you know, if you're going to do that with Justin Taffa, Justin Taffa is going to knock you out. If you can, if you can take him down and, and work with him, sure. Yeah, Justin Taffa could lose this fight. But uh, th- this isn't a fight where Justin Taffa has to worry about being taken down. So I think Justin Taffa... Um, waits for that big moment. He lands the big shot, and I, I think he's going to knock Austin Lane out here. Yeah, he um, Lane does not uh, impress me. He lost to Greg Hardy. Like uh, that's all you really need to know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Taffa by uh, by basically doing like a poor man's version of what Justin Taffa does, right? Like yeah, that, that's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He is a better fighter. All right, we're dropping all the way down to flyweights now on the male side. Apparently this fight's gonna happen and we'll we'll break it down. Just in case Chalgus Chumagula does actually get to enter the case. He's not we'll gonna see. fight. No nobody <laughs> thinks he's gonna fight. He's fighting against Joshua Van, uh, a newcomer. Uh the fearless Joshua Van, seven and one, five knockouts, two submissions. So he's finished everyone and he's been submitted once in a fight, which is this is rare for a, a flyweight. He's never gone the distance. This is his short notice debut. Warning, warning, danger, danger. He was the Fury FC champion, 13 years younger than Chumagulov, uh, one inch taller. I don't have reach info for him, plus 170. Chaco, I've, it's almost, what, three straight events? I've broken down his <laughs> resume, but here we go again. 14 and 8, seven knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out twice. One and five in the UFC. He's lost three straight fights. He was the FNG champ, used to fight at Bantamweight. He's been outstruck by half a strike a minute in the UFC. He has two wives and six children, and he's at minus 180. <laughs> and a uh, Beatles, maybe it's not a Beatles. It's more like a Beatles wig is what he has. It's like he's dressing up like a Beatle for Halloween is what his hair looks like. Um, I guess I'm picking Chuma Gulov because we're talking about short notice debut. Van does not have the greatest resume either. So if it happens, I'll bet Chuma Gulov. Um, th- this will be the lone fight we oh, did for him. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take Joshua Van. I was going to take him in his contender series matchup, which was coming in a month. Um, he he was actually supposed to be, you know, I was mentioning the flyweight fight that was supposed to be on contender series early on the show. Like I, I was going to pick him to win that fight. He, he uh, if you watch his last fight, uh, which came in Fury FC, he showed that he's got really good takedown defense. Like they uh, Cleveland uh, McLean is it Cleveland McLean. I think it's Cleveland McLean. Um, Pressed him up against the cage, tried to get some work done there, and, and he just failed uh, because Joshua Van did a really great job of stuffing that. And, and if you go back and you watch all of, you know, Joshua Van's prior fights, like fast on the feet, does really good work on the feet, but also like if he gets you on the ground, he's got really great submission skills. And I don't just mean like the standard stuff, like the rear naked chokes and move the arm triangles and stuff, but like. You know, it'll, it'll dig out a calf slicer. He's got a standing rear naked choke. Like, you know, he, he's good landing ground and pound from the mat. Like, he does it all. Um, and I think you're going to see he's faster here than uh, than 
Chalgis uh, Shumagulov. And, and that's a, a big enough piece because, like, dude, Chalgis is going to be cutting weight for, like, the 85th time, which is is already kind of worrying me. And uh, I do believe, while, while we don't have official reach stats here, I do believe he's going to be giving up significant reach, um, like pretty significant reach. <laughs> Because uh, Joshua Vance an inch taller, and he definitely looks longer in the way that he fights. So I think that's going to be a problem for Shogun. So give me Joshua Van here, especially at the price you're going to get him at. All right, the weight cut thing is is a very good point, Gumby. You have you have a good point. I knew there was a reason to have you on the show, and there it is. Yeah, thirty um, straight weight cuts not good for your body. <laughs> no, especially when he's, he's especially when you got a hundred kids, hundred kids, and a million wives, and he's not the youngest person. And he's got uh, hair to upkeep. All right. Main event of the prelims. This is a very, very solid prelim main event. Uh, Welterweights, Neil Magny, Philip Rowe. I will tell you about Rowe first. The Fresh Prince, Philip Rowe. 10 and 3, 6 knockouts, 4 submissions. So he has finished everyone. He's been knocked out once. 3 and 1 in the UFC. He's won 3 straight fights, all via knockout or TKO. He's missed weight in 2 of those 3 fights, though. So you may want to may want to keep an eye on that. Um, usually fighters that miss weight do not win fights, but he's, he's been bucking that trend. One known in the contender series used to fight up at light. sorry, excuse me, down at lightweight three years younger than Magni. He's more active landing strikes. However, he's been outstruck over his UFC career by 0.58 strikes a minute. He's the underdog plus 145. The Haitian sensation, Neil Magni, 27 and 10, seven knockouts, four submissions, been knocked out twice, submitted six times, 20 and 9, 20 dash 9 in the UFC. So he's been around a while. Loss win loss has been his uh, last three fights. He did lose his last fight via submission. 3 1 the ultimate fighter. Used fight up at middleweight. 2010 pro MMA debut. He's got a positive strike differential of 1.34 strikes a minute. Better grappling stats than Rowe, minus 160. You can finish it off for us here. I'm going to take Phil Rowe. I'm going to go dog dog to end here. Um, and, and for a couple of reasons, uh, the first one being, I've just been so impressed by Phil Rowe's last three fights um, in the UFC. He's beaten Nico Price, Jason Witt, and Orion Kosuke all by punches. Um, and, and the craziest part of that for me is he like, his striking isn't even the best part of his game. Like I really love this dude's submission skills. I think if he can get you to the mat, uh, his ability to attack your neck or or to control position is really good. But even apart from that, he, he, I, like he said, he, he's dangerous on the feet. He knocked out Nico Price. It's hard to knock out Nico Price. Nico Price is a tough mother. Um, but also, the, the biggest piece for me and why I like him here against Neil Magny is that Neil Magny is a guy who's lived his whole career by being just like the longer dude. By being a guy who, on his feet, his jab is going to hit you before your jab hits him. Because he's got an 80-inch reach at welterweight, which is one of the most insane reaches ever. But guess what? Phil Rowe has an 80-and-a-half-inch reach. And that alone, combined with the fact that I think he's a better power puncher than, than Neil Magny, is enough for me to say, look, this guy has a lot of skills, has a lot of attributes, that should make him a tough out for Neil Magny. So yeah, give me give me Phil Rowe. I'm gonna end dog dog here. I was happy to hear you were in on Rowe as well, because um, I am as well. Um, we differed on reason. one fight total. I know, yeah, um, yeah. It's he's got the exact same reach and exact same height as Magny, and that's how Magny wins fights is, is by being longer and 
like impossible for guys to get close to and, and to fight. So, um, well, we'll and, by, to... and, mm-hmm. and I'll also say this Magni sometimes wins fights when he, he can't get what he wants from striking range from just like being a gritty grappler. I think he's the worst grappler in this fight. Yep. And he's definitely doesn't hit as hard either. So he's going to get hit. And, um, I'm, I wouldn't be mad about taking row uh, if someone wanted to sprinkle some money on row via knockout for this uh, this one as well. So, all right, because that's what he does. He finishes fights. Recap: We both are in on row. I got Chumagulov. He's got Van. Both in on Tafa. Both in on Brown. Both in on Rebecca. Both in on Ricci. Both in on Peak. Both in on Jenkins. Both in on Tyra. There you go. Nine fights broken down for you. We're not done though. We're going to be back tomorrow to do the main card. Um, which is only five fights, so we'll, we'll have time to stretch out a bit. And we're going to give you some fancy, dancey picks there as well. Told you about the Discord. Get in there and chat with us. Uh, Twitter is SGP and MMA and Gumby Vreeland and Jeff Fox Writer. Told you about Top Turtle. Make sure you listen to it this week. Another good episode as per usual. Uh, get all my MMA, MMA writing into your inbox automatically if you sign up at moneymma.substack.com and enter my weekly UFC Pick'em contest there. And all the good things in the sports gambling spaces at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. So we'll be back tomorrow. It will be me, Rabisti, Jeff Fox, and of course, the prodigy Gumby Reeling will be with me as well. Adios. Mm-hmm.